good. Oh, oh, I'm ready. Oh, sorry. All right. And five, four. Welcome to Tweaking Geek number 39. Brought to you live from the Fresh Step Cat Litter Factory. How did I know it was going to be cat litter? (laughs) Because 97% of my life is cat related. (laughs) So hi, I'm your host, Pat. And I'm your other host, Craig. I like how you're the other host. Is this going right. to be a thing? You can be the host and I'll be the other host next time. All right, so welcome to Tweaking Geek number 39. <laughs> That's too I'm late. your other host, Craig. <laughs> so uh, what, what, what's new this time? Should we go straight um, to oh, lame my... news? I think we should go straight to lame news. Okay, I th- so lame news of last week is that Tweaking Geek is back. Lame <laughs> news of this week... <laughs> we don't need a newspaper article or an internet article for that. So I just – I think a fun piece of lame news uh, is that uh, there is a um, – there was a – what was it? Like a some sort of like car race uh, that in uh, – I, I know I, – like I don't know any of the details of the story. Uh, so there was a Brussels 20-kilometer road race. Oh, I guess it was not a car race. It was a people race. Uh, in Brussels, Belgium, and uh, there was a princess, Astrid, who got to shoot the starter's pistol. But apparently uh, she was so close to the prime minister that the uh, prime minister had, like, temporary hearing loss because of that. So the lame news is not that the princess fired a gun and almost deafened the prime minister. Did you realize that Belgium has a royal family? Uh, you, I didn't, now that you mention it. And the Netherlands do, too. All those little countries, like, it, it's so funny. There's, like, royalty in all these countries. I heard a story the other day about, here's, all right, other lame news of the week. There was, there's, like, some, uh, it's, like, the king of the Netherlands uh, actually, like, flies a commercial jet for fun sometimes. Oh, well, I mean, like you do. Don't yeah. you? Fly a commercial jet for yeah. fun sometimes? I guess so. But I do, but you don't think of But he can't do overnight trips in case he needs to – because he needs to be at home at night in case there's any problems in the Netherlands. Because I don't think that when you fly from the Netherlands, I don't – you know, if you take off in the Netherlands, I doubt you actually, like, land in the Netherlands because I don't think there's anywhere that so far away in the Netherlands from somewhere else in the Netherlands that requires you to take a plane. That's, that, that's probably true. Yes. So okay, well, anyway, your lame news was was delightfully lame. Yes, I, I actually think I should get credit for two because it's <laughs> you know the, all those little countries there. Now we just need to find something for like Luxembourg. Man, you're you're making this more and more obscure. You're going <laughs> to take us all the way back to like when we were researching Kasu Marzu cheese. Look it up, people. It's totally worth it. <laughs> and and don't eat any because it's totally not worth it. Yes, I, I, well, I think, and it's also totally not legal in oh, the United States. Right, there's that too. Yes, so uh, illegal cheese next time on Tweaking Geek. Thanks for listening. <laughs> so uh, our main topic this week, I think I want to talk about uh, something that's getting getting a lot of press these days, so machine learning. Have you heard of machine So what learning? machines are we going to learn about? Uh, no, it's where the machines learn about you. It's, machines learn about everything. So it, does that mean like a very like emotion free and withholding person that learns about you? Is that like machine learning? That yes, well, yes. We'll just go with that. Okay. So last time we talked a little bit about like what's changed in the in the seven years since we used to podcast. So one thing that I think has definitely changed and nobody really 
noticed because it sort of crept on us and then was everywhere. And so you, you, we sort of boiled the frog on that is big data, right? Everything, ah. everything you do everywhere is tracked, right? If, you, if you're on a website, it's being tracked. Your behavior is being tracked. What you click on is being tracked. What you look at is probably being tracked. Um, yeah, little, definitely everything. Yeah. So, and it's the amount of data being collected about you every second of every day is beyond belief. Um, even to it's starting to creep out into physical space, right? Where um, stores or retail stores are trying to figure out how do we get the same kind of tracking that Amazon has? Because, right, I think anyone who shops on Amazon's had this experience. You look at something uh, and then you don't buy it and you go to a different website and there's an ad for it on Amazon. Well, you know what I find? I do that exact same thing, but I go to Amazon, I buy it, and then I go to other websites and I see a advertisement for something I just bought. And I'm like, uh, let's talk timing here because <laughs> like, why are you advertising something that I just bought? Cause I'm unlikely to buy it again. So, so out in, in real Unless life, it's Kasu Marzu. <laughs> right. We're done. Can you buy that on Amazon? I bet you can. Probably. Somehow. But not on amazon.com cause it's not legal for consumption in the U S but exactly. Um, right. And so even in real life, people are trying to collect all this data about you and you know, there've been lots of stories about breaches on this and that, or, you know, hey, did you realize your phone's been tracking your location all the time and things like that? So we, we have these giant, giant um, wads of data everywhere. Um, machine learning, is it's actually not new. Uh, I did machine learning, I, I feel old saying this, um, about 20 years ago. Uh, and it, it didn't really go anywhere because uh, a lot of the technology wasn't where it would need to be to be useful. Um, but these are actually not, not terribly new concepts. Um, but uh, the the really way too hand wavy version uh, is in statistics. There's an idea called regression, which is where you have some uh, data, right? So you might say, "Hey, based on how many sunspots there have been in the last couple of years, do I know how many sunspots there will be next year?" And it turns out the answer to that is yes. Um, and you can build a model. And there's a lot of techniques for doing this. Uh, the the traditional techniques have all been based in statistics. Um, machine learning is applying a whole bunch of new techniques that start building on those, but then say, hey, what if instead of using statistics and getting kind of analytical, you know, algebra solutions to everything, what if I um, just poured a ton of data into a system and said, system, just get me a result that looks as good as you can make it, um, and then let the computer run on it for a long time. Uh, and that, so that's kind of where machine learning goes. And that, that sounds really simplistic, but it ends up giving you systems that can do a lot of things. Um, most of the systems that you see, uh, so take uh, like Facebook, when you upload pictures and it starts suggesting where there are faces in the pictures that you can tag, um, that's the kind of problem that machine learning is very good at, at you know, looking at all these, these features in an image and saying, hey, it looks like there's a, an oval shape here with a couple of other ovals that look like eyes. I bet that's a face. I'm going to prompt the user to, to mark this as a face. So, does that make so sense? is it something where you've, where with machine learning, is it, they say, I think this is a face and they prompt you and you're like, oh yeah, that is a face and it is like my grandmother. Does it sort of does the machine say or the computer say, oh, now, next time I do it, I'm going to be a little bit better at suggesting your grandmother's face because now I've already got a, a success? Um, that's one way they can work. So generally, I think for a lot of systems, by the time you're using it, that's already been done. That's called training. 
Um, but then there's there are also a lot of other systems that use what's called online training, which is where new new data comes in all the time and it's constantly refining the model. So, wow. so it's it's an interesting technique because, like I said, uh, computers have gotten really big and really fast, and storage has gotten really big, right? So back when I used to look at this stuff, like I said, uh, almost 20 years ago, we'd, we'd look at some of these image recognition type problems. And we're like, wow, that's really hard. You know, if only I could look at 10 million images, I could probably make this work. But nobody has a hard drive big enough to store 10 million images. Uh, and now, uh-huh. now we all have hard drives big enough to store 10 million images. Uh, and people are moving on to saying, yeah, man, if only I could look at 10 million videos. Uh, and then some of the big big companies like Google, who owns YouTube, uh, of course, does exactly that. They they do run machine learning even on video. So um, there's so much computers have so much more storage. They're so much faster, and they have so much more memory that we can we can just run these very large problems that used to seem uh, not feasible. Um, so so, it, so the techniques oh. are old, but the you know because we have so much more power to apply to them, we're starting to see them actually work. So is it like one of those things where in the old days when you just said, all right, you know, I've got, you know, I'm going to do some prediction based on statistics. Is it like one of those things you have to figure out how your things like correspond to like a certain probability distribution and all that stuff? And then you just do math like that. Whereas is it a little bit more like, uh, I don't know, not Wild West, but where it's just put everything in. And when this does this, usually this happens. Is it like that sort of thing, like empirical data and it's like all based on the model or is there some sort of like mathematical modeling that goes on behind the scenes um it's a little bit of both so you you definitely had it correct uh at the at how the statistical approach would work um and and that uh, that required the people doing the modeling to understand what they were modeling right so for instance with my earlier example of modeling sunspots you, you had to kind of already know that there was a functional relationship between uh, the number of sunspots in the last couple of years and the num- number of sunspots next year. Um, so that was one, one issue it faced. Uh, and then the other was you had to figure out the right kind of model. Not, not only that you knew where there was a relationship, but then you had to figure out you know, generally what kind. Is, it, is this linear? Is it polynomial? Things like that. And, and figure out what you were going to fit to it. Um, with uh, machine learning techniques, there's a, there's a technique that's very getting a lot of buzz these days called deep learning. And what deep learning is has you do is you make an incredibly large um, machine learning model or a neural network is, is one of the common ones used. And so you say, I'm going to make this model incredibly complicated. I'm going to, and most people start it uh, seated just completely randomly. So you're like, I built a completely random model. Um, but it's so big that inside of this model, bits and pieces of it are learning uh, bits and pieces of the problem I want to solve. So let's say I'm trying to make uh, an image classifier, and I want to say I want to find any image that has a car in it, right? Which which is a pretty hard problem if you try to, mm-hmm. to apply a, a conventional, you know, statistics-based approach. Um, but then your your neural network will actually inside of it there will be subsections that are actually saying things like, um, are there a lot of horizontal lines because there tend to be a lot of horizontal lines in something like a car, um, or there'll be another part that's saying, hey, do I see a lot of like glossy reflections and things like that. So um, just by applying really simple math over and over and over again, 
deep inside the neural net, it's learning things like that. Um, so that's kind of where a lot of the change is coming. Uh, the flip side is with these these classical models and the, these statistical models, um, the model itself tells you something, right? So if I say, hey, I can make a polynomial equation out of sunspots and that will predict next year's, now I know there is a polynomial relationship there. Um, when I when I build a neural network or a machine learning model, I usually don't know how it works. Um, and it's you can't inspect the neural network and really meaningfully know what it's doing, if that makes any sense. Sure. So it's like you with your original one, you can basically you're modeling the actual real life process where in the machine or the neural net, you're just modeling how like sort of like what the outcomes are, not like what's actually driving it. Exactly. And um, some of the weaknesses of the, of this approach, uh, one thing that you're always fighting is what's called overfitting. So that's where, um, because your machine learning is so is such a powerful technique for doing this modeling, eventually you can make it match your data on almost anything, um, with you know within reason. Um, but that can actually be a problem because what if your data was wrong? Um, because most data, most real life data, when you're collecting things, is wrong, right? When you're taking photographs, there's noise in the photograph, right? Maybe there. Yep. Maybe there are shadows because a bird was flying by or something like that, right? There's always something wrong with your data in, in real life. Um, and one, one weakness of machine learning is you can actually learn those mistakes too. And now you're predicting incorrectly because you're, you're way too tightly fit to the data that you had. Hmm. And one of the things I was also thinking about while you were talking about the sunspot thing, you say, all right, you know, because you know that there's a physical process where sunspots last year, they're all driven by, you know, some sort of maybe physical activity in the core of the sun. So, you know, there's like some sort of cause or correlation there. And I, I wonder sometimes if it could be like you might find two things that are seem to be correlated, but it's really because they're correlated to something else. And it, you know, it just sort of, they might actually be, but it, ha but you could never figure out why, like, uh, it could actually be, you know, like I was thinking, you know, trying to think up of a witty example and I, I failed. So, you know, but well, a, a classic example that's used a lot is there was a study, uh, many years ago of divorce rates and they found that couples that lived together prior to marriage were much more likely to divorce. Um, and that's that, that's exactly what you're talking about is, okay, well, does living together before you're married make you more likely to divorce? Or is it that being the kind of person who finds it morally acceptable to live together prior to marriage makes you more likely to be the kind of person who finds it morally acceptable to get a divorce later? Okay, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a good one. But it has to do with because people who live together have – you know, more dogs and people who have dogs tend to go to strip clubs more often and, you know, like that sort of thing where there might actually be like multi layers of causes where all you really see is the end result. So it, maybe it's like impossible to actually model why it happens. It's all you can do is sort of like model how the system responds. Right. And for a lot of applications, that's that's actually good enough. Although I'm I'm a little curious on your experimental methods that involve owning dogs and going to strip clubs. This, this well, <laughs> experiment. Uh, I so, do not have dogs or strip clubs, so there you go. <laughs> so this and is, I'm not divorced, so there you go. So there you go. My <laughs> I, I, <laughs> hypothesis confirmed. Right. So this, I mean, this field it's 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 big now because there's uh, because of the advent of big data and these really big computers. There are a lot of 
difficult problems that this is solving in in work uh, for people. So some examples here are um, uh, fraud detection is a huge one, right? So think about all the transactions that go through you know an e-commerce site or through a financial site. Um, they have tons and tons of data to work with. So that's one of these prerequisites for good machine learning is you have a lot of clean data. Um, and then they these you know uh, retailers or financial institutions or, or others uh, spend a ton of money on fraud. Right, fraud is a huge. Um, it's it's not very common, but it tends to cost a lot of money when it happens. Um, so fraud detection is you know say hey I have all these features of a financial transaction you know was the was the credit card present? Was it an online transaction? Was it an area where the user has historically done transactions? You know, all of this kind of information uh, can be fed into models. I can say, hey, it turns out that if you see um, a series of gas transactions leading away from where someone usually does transactions, that's probably not fraud because they're probably traveling somewhere. Whereas if you see, uh, you know, $8,000 of electronics bought all the way across the country, that is likely to be a fraud transaction. So so tag that. Um, systems like that. You're also seeing a lot of use of it in um, logistics and things like that where uh, there's so many so many possible things you can model. Uh, and so you might be saying, hey, I'm a, I'm a freight company, uh, but I know that the weather is actually going to be slightly cooler this week. So this is a good week to move a lot of produce from you know the East Coast to the west coast uh because the refrigeration cost won't be as high as it would normally be and we'll, we'll get more product at a higher quality huh when, when i did my master's thesis um we did i was doing intrusion detection and uh one of, and it was actually a statistical modeling about it, it was sort of doing work around uh testing something a hypothesis someone had was that it was about uh, someone in a Unix system typing commands, and it was using a particular probability distribution to say to determine based on x number of commands that you've typed, how likely are you to actually be who you say you are, and uh, you know, and it actually was, you know, and, and it was like okay, but I don't think there was, you know, it was, you know, it, it's the you know the basically the outcome was, you know, it's complicated, so. <laughs> Well, no, but I mean, so, you know, and I think more of, but like what you're saying now, you know, you see what people are doing, you know, with their credit cards, or if you see, you know, you could say, you know, if you work at, you know, the NSA, for instance, and someone sees abnormal activity, you know, wow, this person usually, you know, just based on their model, or the model, you know, they usually don't spend 16 hours, uh, you know, FTP, you know, using FTP, you know, like, oh, they're sending, you know, documents somewhere, I don't know, you know, something like that. So it, it's just interesting to think about how you could actually characterize things in such a way that uh, is probably accurate, but, you know, but it doesn't have to be exact. Right. So uh, I linked, and this will be in the show notes, I linked this uh, comic on XKCD, which, of course, every, every good nerd reads XKCD occasionally. Um, yeah. It actually has... It's funny, and yet it's a very accurate description of machine learning. So another way to think of machine learning is instead of writing software to do specific things, you write software to learn how to do things. Uh, so they have this description of it where they describe it as basically pouring data into a giant pile of linear algebra and stirring it until you get the answer you want. 
which is also true. So this is a this is a huge hot field, right? It's especially up in in some of the tech hotbeds like the Bay Area. Um, there there just are not enough uh, people to go around. You'll you'll also hear a lot of uh, people talking about data science, which usually uh, crosses over with machine learning these days. Um, there's a lot to that, right? So there's a lot of work done at like, hey, yes, I have terabytes of data, but I have terabytes of data with all kinds of garbage data in it. So there's an entire subgenre now of just filtering out bad data um, so that you can train accurately. Um, but this is this is also, you know, it's a, it's a quickly growing field. And so instead of knowing how to um, write software that does specific things, you kind of learn... Uh, there, are, there are a number of parameters to any of these different types of machine learning models, and you start learning how do I how do I adjust those parameters, and then run some more tests and try to drive those to the point that it it does find the right answers. Awesome. So, does this um, so is artificial intelligence going to produce uh, Skynet or robot overlords that are going to destroy us, or is is it artificial intelligence because? It's, we created it, or is it because it's not truly intelligence? It's more of just like, you know, sort of, uh, I, I don't know, decision-making on steroids. Uh, sure. So first of all, there, there, there's actually somewhat of a distinction between machine learning and artificial intelligence. So artificial intelligence is, is a bigger field that includes um, all kinds of different ways to, to write software that basically makes decisions. Um, machine learning is one set of techniques, uh, like I said, that are largely based on on big data approaches um, to to make decisions by modeling things you've seen before. Um, artificial intelligence can also include things like you know experts who who design kind of complex if then logic um, is is also almost a more common application of that. Um, Will it really turn into Skynet? Not, not anytime soon. Uh, I mean, it's it's some some of the cutting edge research is uh, would, would would be shocking uh, to if if you put it to like normal terms. Uh, I read a paper a few weeks ago that was talking about uh, one way of generating a conversation, and the state of the art was getting um, meaningful responses to a conversation about one time in three. And this paper was like, we, we came for the revolutionary new way to do it. We get the right answer 40% of the time instead of 30% of the time. So, so there, there's still a lot to learn about this, right? I think if you, if you want to get um, metaphysical about it, there's this, this notion of what is knowledge in the, in the abstract and how do we represent that so that a system can learn it. Um, that seems very cerebral. Uh, it does, but I mean, it, it's pretty easy to illustrate, right? So think of uh, 2001, right? It's probably one of the most iconic AI stories. Um, and the idea t- that they had, and this is before uh, we knew a lot about actually developing machine learning and AI techniques. Uh, and they're like, oh, well, they made this computer that was so smart that it got bored and learned how to play chess. And with what, <laughs> we, with what we know now, we're like, that sounds almost but not quite impossible, um, nobody knows how you would make a generic intelligence so powerful that it could learn the rules of a game. Um, there's been a lot of press lately with Google writing a, a system called AlphaGo, which plays the game Go. Um, okay. And if you're if you're not familiar with Go, it's it's actually kind of similar to Othello. Um, it's okay. It a little you know if you looked at a board, it would look familiar. Um, the rule the rules are pretty simple, but the board is thirteen by thirteen. 
and that with the rules of the game that makes the number of potential moves bigger than the number of atoms in the universe. Uh, so it's always been kind of an interesting problem space to look at for artificial intelligence techniques because there's no way to brute force a solution to it, right? You you have to build good algorithms. And Google uh, wrote an AI that learned to play Go, um, and there have been some really interesting stories around it. So one was that um, in one of its first high-profile games, uh, it made plays that nobody understood at all, and those plays turned out to be absolutely brilliant, and it won in a way no one had ever considered before. Uh, so, so that was interesting. Um, but the flip side of it is, as they've done more analysis of the games it's played, um, it actually does have a very good win record, but a, it appears that a part of that is that even these absolute human genius grandmasters of the game uh, make a lot of mistakes routinely. And the computer just doesn't. Uh, so that's actually one of its biggest advantages. Is even though it is it is a huge achievement, it does have very good algorithms um, that it's developed. But uh, a lot of its winning is just because you know computers are very very good at counting, and humans just aren't. That's that's awesome. I, I've heard like with checkers, they don't need to use machine learning with checkers because somewhere there's a database of all of the checkers configurations so now it's like there is no like you know there's no strategy to it anymore if you have a big enough hard drive you basically can say here's what the board looks like it'll tell you the best next uh move to win right right it's a finite space of potential games there i guess i guess you could have an infinite number of games if you just started making really stupid moves but there's no reason to bother with that exactly so yeah, I think uh, I think that the takeaway here is that this is it's a technology that's actually kind of creeping in all around us. Um, if you ever use like an online translator, that's using machine learning uh, almost for sure. Um, all speech rec. If you have uh, um, an Amazon Echo uh, or if you talk to Siri a lot, a lot of that's going through machine learning based approaches. So not only does it use that now, but it's constantly refining and learning. Uh, those are definitely. Um, teams working to improve those models over time you know what it's funny uh amazon sells a service called recognition spelled with a k so it's most certainly russian um so recognition uh (laughs) and it's a service you can buy where you can basically uh you can it's like your own you can basically rent a machine learning engine to help you identify things in pictures that's interesting. There's a there's a lot of uh, services. I mean, uh, so like Google's cloud offerings, they have an entire category of machine learning offerings, and that includes things like image recognition, speech recognition, uh, video analysis. Yeah, I don't know if Amazon has video. I know that they do speech recognition, something called Lex, and then they they just announced one recently. Uh, it was called like Amazon Moderator, which is basically image recognition, but where all it recognizes are uh, like basically dirty pictures. <laughs> so. It's- <laughs> You know, it, it sounds funny, but that's actually a huge problem, right? If you're running a service that lets people upload content, um, the cost of moderating it is, is huge. So, And probably the area. psychological cost. <laughs> right, that too. Um, and, it, you know, it's actually been that's, – that's also been high profile lately, right? Like the uh, like uh, murders and other crimes being committed live on Facebook. Um, that's an area where if they can get uh, you know machine models that can watch all the videos in real time and start flagging someone saying, "Hey, so a person really needs to come check this one out because it looks you know it looks sketchy." Um, that that's a huge gain for everybody. Yeah. 
Well, I feel like I've learned everything there is to know about machine learning at yes. this point. Yes, you can go double your salary and say you're a data scientist. It'll be great. I am now a data scientist. All right. The, I, I'm just I waiting for the money to, to roll in. <laughs> I, I eagerly await our machine overlords. There, me too. As long as they well, can drive my car for me. That's, that's what I want. Yeah, yeah well, I mean, it's, I don't mind if they can drive my car just as long as I'm still allowed to drive it. <laughs> All right. So I think I do think that that covers what we wanted to do today on machine learning. That was good. I I feel very enlightened. So uh, so I've learned from this machine that it is time to go. <laughs> yes, my machine's telling me that the time is up. So uh, I think I think I want to ask everyone uh, swing by our website tweakinggeek.com if you have any feedback. Email us tg at tweakinggeek.com. Also, I'd like to ask people to subscribe in iTunes and review us in iTunes because that, that'll help other people find the show, which would be great. It won't help me because I don't, I don't do anything with Apple. So there. <laughs> do not go to iTunes and do not subscribe to iTunes or whatever it is you do with iTunes these days, whatever your kids are doing. Or, or in your podcast viewer of choice. There we go. Perfect. Go to the... Go to the non-iTunes podcast store and purchase our podcast. Thank you. All right. And on that note, we'll, we'll see everyone next time. Goodbye.